0: Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X Studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for CEO Exclusive, brought to you by Anona Enterprises. Good morning, and welcome to CEO Exclusive, where we get emerging trends from CEOs and their most trusted advisors. I'm your host, Soyini Koch. So, the world of software development is very exciting, and it's really important because all of these new things that are happening in technology. Many of them are supported by software. And so I'm really excited to have on t- today's show the leaders of MindSpan Inc., a very fast-growing software development company here in Atlanta. I have their CEO, Tarun Talwar and Chris Curry, their CTO on the show. Welcome to the show, gentlemen. It's great to have you with me this morning.
1: Happy to be here, Saini. Happy to be here, as well.
0: So, uh, Tarun, start us off by telling us about uh, Mindspan, where you play in the software development space, and maybe give us a little bit of an example of one of your projects, just to orient our listeners to what it is that you do.
1: Certainly. So, we are a custom software development company. Mm -hmm. We've been doing that for a living for about 16 years now. Uh, Chris has been around in the industry for longer than that, he's our chief architect. I've been around for about 30 years. Mindspan Systems does three primary has three primary offerings. One would be software product development, which is developing custom software which are uniquely tailored for for our clients' needs. Second is business intelligence, which deals with um, data analytics and predictive analysis. Uh, that relates with the big data. We can talk about that further. And the third very exciting field in which we work is interactive touchscreen systems, uh, uh, more specifically, interactive marketing. And as we talk more, I'll give you examples of that.
0: Great. So we love to talk about trends on CEO exclusive. So what are the top trends that are, that are happening in software development in your space or technology in general that you think are really important for our CEO listeners to be aware of?
1: Well, one of the things I would like to talk about is interactive marketing, which I just t- touched upon. For most retail businesses or businesses where customers are having in-person interaction with the business or the provider, the first job is to drive the traffic to your location, to your business. Uh, you know, bring people to as prospects to your business. But it doesn't end there. Once the customer is on location, you have to provide Uh, An excellent experience, which determines uh, their decision about sales, which determines their uh, loyalty and repeat business and so on. Interactive marketing is a trend which is catching on um, very fast in that domain. Let me illustrate with an example. At some point or the other in our lives, all of us have hunted for apartments. (laughs) So when you go to hunt an apartment, you are out in a leasing center of an apartment property. Excuse me. And very often we see a sign there which says out showing apartments to other customers back in 10 minutes. Please wait. Guess what? Nine out of 10 people don't wait.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Next apartment complex.
1: (laughs) They will hop across the street and rent an apartment in a competition property and you lose business. Now the industry survey tells us that a typical apartment property loses between one and one and a half million dollars to that sign. Please wait for 10 minutes. Because you get fewer prospects to entertain, which means you convert fewer uh, prospects to customers and you end up selling fewer leases. Imagine instead of that sign, there is a touchscreen on the wall or a freestanding kiosk, which is an audiovisual experience, engages the prospect, the prospective resident, informs them about the floor plans available, about the amenities in that property, about what is in the neighborhood, where is the nearest hospital, where is the nearest Starbucks, how far is my kid's school from here, and so on. It's interactive. You're using your hand and fingers to pull information what you are interested in. You can actually, in our product, in that domain, you can actually arrange furniture on a floor plan on the screen and see how my house will look if I rent this particular floor plan. Now, there are a couple of things happening there. One is this prospect is more likely to stay there until you come back and shake his or her hand and take him around. Yeah, because
0: by then, the 10 minutes, by the time they've found out where the nearest hospital is, checked out the nearest restaurants, found Mm -hmm. their gym, Mm -hmm. put the furniture in the floor plan, you're back.
1: Right. So I get to entertain more prospects. The second thing that's happening is half of the pre-sales has already taken place. By the time I come back, I don't need to tell you everything about the property because you've already... Um, selected probably your floor plan you're interested in. The third thing it does is it classes up the impression of the property as compared to the competition. Because in this example, typical demographic profile of Apartment Hunters is 25 to 35 years age group. And as we all know, this generation does not like paper. You give them a brochure, they will throw it in the dustbin. But they like playing with screens with their hands. We all, um, this generation has grown up doing that. So more and more businesses are moving towards interactive marketing to provide a customer experience which builds better sales and loyalty decisions.
0: So Chris, where are some of the places where this is applicable? what What industries so we got the real estate example where
2: where does this potentially fall? Um, really just about any industry. Um. Uh, my background has been in, in in marketing and analytics for for a long time, and and so the the shift here is that um, in the past people would gather data on the back end. You might, you might buy a list or get some other demographics on your on your your customer, or product, or whatnot. Um, that information was very slow, so you gather that information. You might send out a mailing and so forth. This this new interactive experience is more real time, so. Whether if I'm at a storefront, at a kiosk, looking for an apartment, or even if I'm on my phone, that's an interactive experience. Or even on on a, on the web, that's another interactive experience. So, um, what we try to do is is take that same interactive experience and and sort of bring it to different industries because really it's applicable to. Just about anything, like even uh, even a radio show, for example, you you might want to interact with your audience. Wow,
0: I, I uh, do. Give uh, me some ideas. <laughs> That's but, really cool. <laughs> but there
2: there are just many different ways of of interacting with a person and, and having that real-time f- feedback is invaluable because you can take that uh, that prospect and actually convert them into a lifelong customer. Okay. Just... Well Go so, ahead. some
1: of the real life uh, examples I would like to add is um, the hotel lobbies to provide tourism information. The mobile phone stores where you can interact with the screen to select your phone, the features, the service plan. Even uh, places like um, Sports Authority or Dick Sporting Goods. I'm just using them as example and not not as real customers. Uh, where you not can, yet anyway. <laughs> well, we are doing some pilots, <clears throat> some pilots in that space. That's why that comes to mind where a customer can actually get assistance from an interactive kiosk to select a product based on what he is looking for.
0: And so I think <clears throat> it, what the reason why you're bringing this up as a, as a trend that CEOs should follow is are you suggesting that that folks listening to the show should start to think in this direction? Like if you have marketing or if you have, you know, whatever your thing is, we need to start thinking about how to make it interactive and on the website have things that people can play with or in the mobile if they're looking at your website you know on their phone like what is it that you can do to have your customers or your leads or you know your prospects start to interact with your brand is that the reason why you thought this was really important
1: definitely and uh, I would like to emphasize that everyone has known for a while now for a few years now people have known the critical importance of using technology to bring customers to your your business uh, we are adding another dimension to that which is once they are on location how do you provide a technology enabled interactive experience to maximize the chances of um, their positive decision making
0: but i guess the nuance that that i heard when you know heard a moment ago is it, when you say on location it's not just the physical location in the lobby, it might be your website, it might be the cell phone, it might be, you know, any other medium in which you have a customer physically, you have their attention, basically.
1: That is very true. Uh, in fact, in the example I used for the Apartment Property Interactive Kiosk, uh, there is a feature in, typically there's a feature where you can touch a button on the screen and transfer the whole experience on your mobile phone That's or your cool. or your, your tablet and uh, take it along with you. Guess what's happening? You go home and show that property's floor plans to your wife or your spouse or your family and friends. What has happened there is you have converted a visitor to your business location into a salesperson because he's taking that interactive experience about your business to other people.
0: Great. And so any other trends that you think are are really interesting and and you would want to share with our CEO listeners?
1: Well, um, one of the happening things in the industry these days is Internet of Things. Everyone has been talking about that. I think our audience would be familiar with what that is. So instead of speaking in general about what that is, Chris and I can probably uh, share some some experience of the challenges which are coming up because of that trend. Yeah, go ahead. You know, we
2: were talking about the interactive experience before. And Internet, Internet of Things is kind of taking that same uh, concept and and uh, miniaturizing and incorporating into your everyday life. So, well,
0: my understanding is a kind of a technology, you know, neophyte about the Internet of Things. This is basically guy. Like everything can talk to each other. Like my Nest can talk to my fridge, and my fridge can talk to my cell phone, and yeah, talk exactly. to my car. And you know, you can tell me that I need my eggs are old, and I just throw them out. And then it can tell. The supermarket that you know, I need eggs, and then the eggs are waiting for me when I get to the supermarket. That
2: kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, it's making everyday things smarter, and and the reason that we can do that is is because technology gets small, it gets smaller, it gets cheaper, it gets miniaturized every single year. Um, it gets cheaper to make these things. it gets uh, it's more much more simple to develop the the logic for these small microcontrollers. So uh, there are companies out there that specialize in um, just kind of hosting a platform on and you know then when we start talking about cloud and, you know, we'll touch on that a little bit, but they have their own platform and infrastructure just for managing a, a whole fleet of devices. And those devices, like, as you said, could be in your coffee cup, um, it could be in your oven, it could be in your car, it could be you could be carrying around these devices. It could be in your keychain, and so all these devices are talking to each other and kind of allowing you to, like, you know, a lot of people wear Fitbits. Mm-hmm. That's like another example of technology that you're wearing that. Gives you information about your activity every single day. Um, that activity is getting tracked somewhere. It's it's giving more feedback on what's happening in your life, and that's and that's kind of what Internet of, Th- of Things is is kind of offering, and it's and it's expanding the, the 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 base of opportunity for different companies to enter into that space with. Products and ideas that that uh, no one's ever conceived of before, because it's just such a it's such a, a wide field. And 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 back to the kind of the interactive piece, there's a lot of opportunity, like in, in retail, where you might have different devices, like security devices, uh, understanding what the what the the customers is, is looking at, like certain products on the shelf and things like that. So so Internet of Things is just getting embedded everywhere, and 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 if you're not um, at least having some kind of ear to that trend and that technology, then, then then you're really missing out because even if you don't think it applies to your business, it really kind of does. It, it's just really up to you to sort of, uh, you know, just kind of expand your horizons on what your product offering is and see how this technology can possibly apply because it's, it's definitely just going to keep exploding.
0: Mm-hmm. So what are some of the challenges that you, you're finding with
1: IoT? So, you know, as much as... Um, Our lives are made easier by any new advance in technology. It also comes with its own uh, potential of misuse, if you will. Um, And that's been the case with every, uh, every innovation in the field of technology. It can be used for a constructive purpose or for a destructive purpose. So I'll take an example here to illustrate the challenges with IoT. We have a large Fortune 500 customer who are manufacturers of medical devices. So your ultrasound machines, MRI machines, X-ray machines, all sorts of robotic surgical machines and so on. They also have patient health monitoring networks in large hospitals. Imagine a hospital with a thousand rooms, one patient in each room, and you have wires and leads connected to your body, which are taking vital signs of uh, the patient and feeding them to a server so that uh, they can be monitored remotely instead of having to step into their room. There is a trend of connecting all these machines on the internet. So this particular company has 1.4 million machines all over the world. And there are many such companies. Now imagine the potential of, um, or not just the potential, but the exposure to risk if you connect all of these. Because today, if I hack into one of these devices or one of these machines, I can cause damage or steal data or patient information from that device or that. But if these 1.4 million are connected to each other through internet, uh, as an internet of devices, if you will, then hacking into one exposes the entire network of devices uh, to that potential misuse. So security in a connected era is a big concern. And there are large businesses sprouting out already which are only focusing and specializing on securing the internet of things.
0: So, I mean the worst kind of nightmare scenario is you have this internet of things and, you know, somebody can hack into the the one little machine and then get to all, you know, 1.4 million things and then get into the ultrasound and the MRI and the everything that's connected and wreak all kinds of havoc.
1: True. And I think uh, the more we use our personal devices, like Chris gave the example of wearing uh, technology you Fitbit. can wear, It is they are all capturing data about you all the time. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we don't even know they are capturing and generating data about it. We have to secure that information, that data. Otherwise, it is open to potential of misuse, mm-hmm. definitely.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that the 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 security risk associated with the Internet of Things is something I had not heard before. You mentioned it, and it's it's actually terif- a little bit terrifying because pretty much everything is can be hacked. So,
1: yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to add that <clears throat> we don't need to be paranoid about it yet because there are there are businesses doing very very significant work in securing the Internet of
0: Things. All right. So, well, thanks for the reassurance. <laughs> I feel better now that's really great so listeners we're talking to um, mindspan systems Inc a software development company about trends in technology um their CEO Tarun, uh Tawar and uh, their CTO Chris Curry I'll ask one last time because we're getting so many great trends are there any is there any other like great you know trends that people may not be aware of that you think uh, we we, sh- we should talk about
1: well not so much of a new trend but there's kind of a persistent and a trend that's always been there in our industry, I would like to talk about. I often like to tell my colleagues that we are not in the business of software development. We are in the business of solving business problems and enabling business growth. And what that really means is that it is, I think, of critical importance to define what we do in terms of the value and outcome we create for our customers. So a doctor can state what he does as, I practice medicine. Or he can uh, state it as, I help people stay healthy. And the perspective is very different between the able business growth and innovation. Software development happens to be our tool or our means of enabling that or solving those problems. Why I mention this is because we in software development industry are notorious for ignoring this fact. There's a lot of software created worth billions of dollars every year in the United States, which is never used. It's a throwaway because by the time that software is completed and taken to the user community, they don't um, accept it. They would say, um, this is not what we asked for. This does something else. I asked for something else. So the critical importance of us technology professionals with business and business needs align ourselves better with the business it continues to be a challenge in our industry. And yeah,
0: isn't it the case that um, I saw a study, and I was actually speaking to one of our uh, listeners about this a couple, couple of weeks ago, um, about the fact that, what is it, like 70% of CTOs, even in big Fortune 500 companies that you would think would have the resources, are spending like all their time just dealing with like keeping machines running and making sure that everybody has a laptop. And they're not able to spend any time on these strategic issues and making sure that, like, the that uh, technology is empowering the company's mission and you know making the thing interactive so that they have a better customer. They're not. They're just not able to do that, right?
1: Well, I have to be careful speaking on it in presence of Chris because I was about to say we techies we really like and uh, we get lost in technology uh-huh. and we lose sight of business. But one of the reasons. Um, Chris brings so much value to our company and any business we work with, is because he has that perspective. I think he can explain it better than me. In fact, so. uh, yeah, I mean,
2: I mean, like, like you were saying, there's a, a, a huge spin in just maintaining uh, devices and software at a company, and and that's one of the reasons why a lot of these cloud platforms are getting more traction. Because if I can maintain my, if I can maintain my uh, Word programs, my spreadsheets, and things like that in the cloud. Then that's one less thing that I have to install on all these different machines in my in my environment, and so that's one of the you know big appeals of of, of cloud, and that's one of the trends that's just been ramping up just continuously over the past uh, decade or more, where more and more companies are looking towards the cloud to look for that that solution that's going to. Run their business where they don't have to maintain that infrastructure. They don't have to, have to maintain the, the latest software version. They simply subscribe to something and they're going to get automatic updates. Um, all their users are going to be much, much more happier. They don't have to worry about fixing issues as much as they, they were before. So that's why things like, you know, Google, Office 365, Amazon Web Services and things like that. Those things are just gathering more and more traction because companies don't want to, don't want to deal with that anymore. Um, and that's also uh, ties into the Internet of things because you know all these devices are capturing information all the time. So where does that information go? It usually goes to the cloud. You can maintain that your, that infrastructure, that uh, that data center yourself, but but what but what most, Companies are going to is, is is going to a platform that can expand as their business expands, um, and so Amazon, Google, Microsoft, they all offer these, um, and, and as well as you know just a, a variety of companies offer the service where not only the, does the infrastructure uh, expand as their needs grow, but. Um, the software itself also expands as, as the needs go. So, so things like databases and uh, uh, analytics tools and uh, just different uh, software services. Are are just uh, are, are available there to, to plug into your application without much effort. I mean, if you use any application today, you're using a variety of services already. I mean, there's there's hardly any application that's on your phone that's not using something for security, using something for notifications, using something for data storage, and so forth. So you're already, if, even if you're not aware of it, you're already plugged into cloud in some way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> either using something directly that's a, a cloud provider, or using something that's using something else that's <laughs> that's using those cloud services. So Everyone's already on the cloud. They just, they they, they just don't know it yet. And and, uh, and and the more and more businesses that uh, that that uh, that take cloud as, uh, as an opportunity rather than, uh, cause, cause a lot of times it can be kind of scary to a lot of businesses. They're like, well, there's this big nebulous thing out here. Uh, where's, where does my data go? Is it safe? Uh, is what, no, what happens? It's not
0: safe, <laughs> but nothing's
2: safe. <laughs> nothing's safe, but usually if it's there, it's safer than what you could do yourself. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and, and well, so that's what we, we try to tell people that, you know, even if, even if it's kind of scary, your, your data
1: is going to be safe. You know, Chris touched upon cloud computing, and I still think that as long as it has been around, I think most bus- most people in business community have still not fully grasped and comprehended the fundamental implications of this shift.
0: Well, tell us.
1: Uh, it's ah, uh, it is kind of reorganizing the industry and the landscape in in very basic ways, very fundamental ways. It's not just that you don't need to develop that many custom software anymore because everything is available on the cloud as a service. Um, You know, Amazon or Google or Microsoft, they are offering a lot of end-user applications uh, to be used on subscription basis. You pay as you use. So you don't need to really develop or buy expensive uh, million-dollar softwares anymore. But what's also happening is that the cloud is changing the way the software development or technology companies do their own job. Uh, we, for example, don't have to buy expensive servers and platforms and networks and, and, and the tools using which we develop software or tools using which we ensure quality or manage our product our projects and so on. All of that also is being made available on subscription basis by the big players. So what's happening is that a lot of that... Uh, platform and applications provisioning is getting concentrated mm. in uh, in the hands of a few large providers, uh, basically, and that that changes the landscape fundamentally.
0: And so, what are you thinking about what the landscape will look like then? Like you said, consolidation. What what where what's the end game?
1: Well, um, I think uh, it is difficult to predict it precisely at this moment, um, but. The consolidation is already happening in the sense that we will see fewer and fewer businesses going for developing or buying products off the shelf, which are expensive. So there was a time when uh, a larger number of customers would buy something as small as QuickBooks to manage your account books, or something as large as SAP for the entire enterprise resource planning. At both ends of that spectrum, you don't have to buy it anymore. Uh, you can subscribe and use as long as you need. And it is scalable. It, uh, it scales along with your business. You don't have to keep uh, scaling up your own infrastructure. So businesses have less nuisance to deal with, less overheads, less headache. It makes them more efficient to use that.
0: Yeah, and when we were talking about it yesterday, you also said that it would have implications for your industry, like software development itself. The, the practice of software development would would change so, share with us your insights on that.
2: Well, from a from a development perspective, um, like, like Taryn touched on earlier, um, typically we would go into a a software project and we a, a, you know software solutions project, and we'd have to figure out okay, well, what's the infrastructure like? Um, who's managing that infrastructure? Do they have the right people to maintain that long term? Now we can go go into our projects and say, well. It doesn't matter what your infrastructure is. We can we can develop the solution now, and if you want to put that on your infrastructure, you can, or you can just leave it in the cloud, where the solution will be robust. It'll be uh, scalable. It'll be fast. Yeah, just
0: pay pay dollars nine ninety nine one hundred nine one hundred and ninety nine. Just do
2: the thing, right? <laughs> yeah, just just do the thing.
0: <laughs> right. Everything
2: everything <laughs> is, everything is done, and we don't have to worry about. All the, the mechanics of all the servers and mm-hmm. infrastructure that goes along with it. And also as, as a, as a, as a personal developer, there's a lot of tools and technologies that you have access to that you wouldn't otherwise have access to just because the cloud exists. Um, I can go onto Amazon and have access to big data stores and, uh, analytics platform, notification platforms, email and so forth. And I can have access to all of that at my fingertips and 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 create this offering for for anyone in the world really um without having to uh you know install these applications locally without actually becoming a server admin um and that's like a huge deal from just a uh, cost perspective of getting a solution up and running as well as a maintenance Um, because a lot of these solutions in the cloud uh, they're you know they're not necessarily maintenance free but the, the overhead is, is a lot less than when you're dealing with like physical hardware or even virtualized hardware
1: on, on, a, on, a, on, on premise. Mm-hmm. So it actually reduces the cost for the software development companies also, cost and overhead, because not just the end user applications, but our tools and technology which we use for our job. That itself is now available to us as a service on the cloud. And we don't have to invest either the money nor the time to manage those things in-house ourselves. So we don't have to set up our infrastructure for software development all on our own and invest big money on that. What that means is it is easier for a small business to get on the software development bandwagon. More people can do it because it's becoming more affordable.
0: Very good. (laughs) This... Fascinating, fascinating, and so we're we're actually running a little bit long. I think we're probably already at a half an hour, but I, um, so folks, we're talking to Mindspan Systems Inc., um, a very wonderful, nimble uh, software development firm here in Atlanta about trends in software development and technology in general. <clears throat> and I would love to just spend a little time talking about you and your company and and um, how you've grown, and in particular how you've achieved the the rapid growth um, that you have achieved and a little bit about your entrepreneurial story, Turin. So share with us um, some of of
1: those insights. (laughs) Well, I'm actually a very unlikely entrepreneur. Uh, I do not come from, I don't have a background of business in my family. I'm a first-generation entrepreneur. And actually, so is Chris, uh, first-generation techie, I suppose. So, it's been an exciting ride. Um, some of the learnings which we have had on the way, I think we have learned more about business in difficult times. Um, has been started in 2001, which is uh, a year better remembered for companies closing down rather than starting up. It was a recession year. Uh, 9-11 tragedy happened that year. Businesses were affected all around. Since then, we have seen the, another, uh, another big depression in 2009 and 10, 8, 9, and 10. So those experiences can be very difficult for small businesses, particularly. And a lot of businesses of our kind and our size actually had to shut down during these two recessions. I think what helps you um, float through difficult times and stay alive and continue to prosper or grow. uh, Some of the learnings we have had is the critical importance of uh, sticking to fundamentals. Uh, We have to be good at what we do. We have to continuously learn. Uh, We have to be flexible. So there have been a couple of occasions in the last 15 years when we had to change our business model to better align with the prevailing circumstances in the industry. Talking about continuous learning, which is often cited as uh, the biggest challenge in our profession, Chris will tell you uh, that it's not just continuous learning. We have to, every few years, unlearn what we learned before. So there is a shift in way of thinking that happens in our industry, a shift in how you develop software, it requires you to think differently. So it is like um, you cannot fill this cup with water again unless you empty it first. So we have to unlearn what we have been doing for the last 10 years, and then start learning a new way of doing things. It is of critical importance for software companies and software professionals uh, to understand that. While it is a lot of fun, it is not easy.
0: (laughs) so I want to tie this to to something that you mentioned earlier. So one of the things that that we talked about is how you have a, what you call a hundred percent success rate, and I want to tie that back to this notion of the misalignment between business and and IT in general, which I think happens at all levels. Like even either the small medium sized businesses that are listening to the show, all the way up to the Fortune 500s. Like the, when we think about technology, we're still thinking about uh, laptops and software. And not thinking about these strategic implications, like how is you know, how am I going to now have an interactive marketing? Or how am I now going to use the internet of things for my business? We just can't even get to those strategic concerns. So I, I would love for you to discuss your 100% success rate in the context of your recommendations for how to address that misalignment. Because it's really about just constrained resources. Like, of course, you have to have the laptops and software. And if you have to spend 90% of your time dealing with that, I mean, you got to deal with that. So, yes, go ahead, please.
1: Well, I'll talk about one aspect of it and then Chris can throw some light on the technology aspect of it. But um, as I was saying earlier, an inordinate amount of wastage happens every year because we create software which is not used not we as in Mindspan, but the industry generates that much waste. So what I, what we mean by that 100% success rate is that at Mindspan, we have in 16 years not developed any software for our customers, which they did not accept or did not use. Uh, that has never happened.
0: And I'm so, assuming that's because you've achieved good alignment between the business right. and
1: the… So technology. Um, we are very particular about spending enough time and energy on understanding the business requirements before we start writing a single line of software code. And do
0: you do Agile or no?
1: We do. Okay. Um, and we have been doing that for several years now. But a lot of software developer development teams are very eager to deliver. So they jump right into building things. Uh, I think it is very important to spend enough time with the business community to understand the, the not just the strategic purpose, but the, the functional purpose of the software we are building. And that's where our industry uh, is still maturing. The methodologies keep coming, every few years there's a new methodology, but the focus on understanding business requirements and more importantly, validating them with the business. Did we understand it right? There have to be means and methods to take it back to them and show them, did we get it right before we finalize the product? So that is of critical importance here, I think. From a technical standpoint, what it uh, I, I think I'll let Chris speak about that.
2: Uh, yeah, sure. Um, so, so even though you know technically my my title might be chief technology officer, I I, I kind of can. You can you can kind of rephrase that as as chief uh, translation officer because because I, I kind of feel that my job <laughs> is 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 there to constantly. You should use that. I like that. <laughs> like that. I think I think my job is to really to to translate between uh you know the the business and the technology, and that's a, that's a constant effort. And so on one hand, the machines change, the technology changes, it changes all the time, which is which is great and exciting because uh you know it kind of keeps us as as techies stimulated um but also business needs constantly change all the time and and usually those two things are not speaking the same language so, so so a lot of times we we have to go in there and you mentioned agile as as one one of our methodologies and that's that's something that we've we've latched onto and adopted pretty well in our organization because we see that as a a method for kind of making sure the business and the technology stays in alignment and it's and it's and it's kind of a constant dance which is why the agile process allows you to kind of iterate over very short periods of time figure out uh, a set of requirements that you want to accomplish for that period of time uh, de- develop it out you know push it out and there's a lot of uh, you know what we call DevOps technologies and techniques for making sure that 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 code gets pushed out and, and, and put in front of uh, your client or business. And then, and, then, uh, and then the business can look at that software and say, okay, well, this is, this is really what I wanted. This is really what I was thinking. Or no, this is quite, not quite what I was, I was thinking. But instead of going on this long path where we, where we spend six months or maybe even a year just uh, developing a, a solution and not knowing if it's right, Right away, or uh, right away, you can you can kind of iterate on these short periods and kind of re steer the ship in the right direction where it needs to go, and kind of keep the business and the software a, a lot more aligned. and And so, that, and that, the tools and techni- and techniques and technology for doing that um, evolves over over time. Um, and it's our job to kind of keep you know on top of that and make sure that uh, that our clients are are aware of what's going on in the industry, so that there are some ideas that they might have that they don't know can be implemented in, in software, and we and we have to kind of present those to, to our clients. And there's a lot of times they may come to, come to us with some ideas that where we might say, well, that's that that could work, but maybe if you change it a little bit better, it, it could save you a little bit more money or um, it could be, it can get to you to this goal a little bit faster, and and so there's 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 this constant um, desire to kind of be on the the bleeding edge of technology a lot of times. And as techies, we always want to be on the bleeding edge.
1: Go ahead. Just two small additions. I would like to make. Um, business and technology people they don't speak the same language very often, and I think it is unreasonable for to expect business people to speak technology jargon or understand technology. thats If they have to do that, uh, it doesn't serve the purpose of our existence. So the the people who can bridge that gap and speak one language with one community and the other language with our community and bridge that gap are of, the, of tremendous value in our industry. And I think for a software development company to be able to relate with both sides and bridge that gap effectively is a critical success factor for them, number one. Secondly, I think we also have to be aware that sometimes the only solution is not technology. We have actually have had projects with our customers where we tweaked their processes, where we changed the way they do their business uh, in subtle ways, and that solved their problems without really needing any technology solution. Now, we probably lost some business there because there was no software to be developed because we solved their problem without that. Uh, but I think we gained their trust and uh, we, we build a client for life. So we technology professionals have to be careful not to push technology for the sake of technology. Um, sometimes uh, the answer lies somewhere else and we have to be alive to that possibility also. Great. Uh,
0: yeah. Well, thank you so much, uh, gentlemen, for a great show. Um, are, is there anything new that's happening at Mindspan Inc. that you, that you want to share with our listeners
1: before we close? Well, I would like to just uh, once again emphasize and highlight the interactive marketing uh, work which we are doing Uh, without naming them. There are a whole lot of local customers in Atlanta area where our products are being installed in that space. And uh, would love the opportunity to tell you more about that another time.
0: Great. So So now tell us if people want to get in touch with you to find out more about anything that you've you've mentioned to how they can do that.
1: Certainly. Our website is www.mindspaninc.com. Email addresses are very simple. Our first names at Mindspaninc.com. So Tarun or Chris at Mindspaninc.com.
0: Great. Um, So folks, we've been talking to Mindspan Inc. um, about trends and technology very, very interesting and how they can apply to your business in particular. Um, I'm your host, Soyini Koch. Thanks so much for listening to CEO Exclusive. And on Thursday, we're going to take the key takeaways from the show and put them in um, our weekly blog, which you can find on LinkedIn or at CEOExclusiveStrategies.com. And I hope you have a wonderful, prosperous, productive, and very profitable week. Thanks for listening. This show is brought to you by Anona Enterprises, where strategy is your access to money and performance. Learn more at AnonaEnterprises.com.